welcome to episode 7 of the Flames Fancast. Uh, tonight we're recording just before the Canes game, and we actually have a special guest from Vancouver with us, Darshan Ricky. He is a Flames fan who currently lives in Vancouver, so we're really looking forward to talking with him tonight about the Canucks game, about the Canes game, and about all things Flames and being a fan. So let's jump right into that. Darshan, how are you? Good, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. So, first of all, um, being a Flames fan, really, uh, what was it that attracted you to Vancouver? And our list is pretty skinny, but uh, I'm sure there must be something for you. Um, yeah, well, I grew up in Calgary, moved to Vancouver around 2010, 2011 uh, for work. I work in film, so kind of had no options, uh, but ended up here. And you were at the game on Saturday, last Saturday? <laughs> I was. I think I was one of uh, the 8,000 people who attended that game, majority of which I think were Flames fans. Saw a lot of uh, Flames fans. We were, at, we were actually the majority in there? I think so. Um, it, was, it's, it was weird seeing it. Um, Saturday night, marquee game, Flames knocks. Um, I would say lower bowl, half empty. It was crazy. Oh, at least, because seeing it on TV, were, were there T-shirts on the on the seats or something? I saw these. Were is that just the advertising underneath the seat? I think they put out little like uh, Canucks towels. I think to kind of disguise the fact. Oh, that cheerleaders! The they love the cheerleader thing over there. You know, they're waving the towels and stuff. Remember when they had like uh, Roger Nielsen as a coach, and then he put like a towel on the on the stick or whatever, and he started like waving the white flag because. He was like, all oh, the referees are screwing us over or whatever. So then Vancouver became the cheerleader team of the NHL. Just like a side fact for people that don't know. So any other general thoughts about the game? Um, yeah, it was kind of uh, a lot of Yager jerseys, which was cool to see. Um, I guess fresh off the presses, really cool to see. Um, big Czech contingent was there up in the nosebleeds cheering for Yager, which was really cool. I thought it was interesting. Were they vocal? Yeah, yeah, they were louder than the Vancouver fans. So, so what, what was it? That, were they just chanting and singing, or were they a perpetual voice throughout the game? I, well, they had, a, they had a bunch of signs and checks spelling out his name, and they were pretty pretty loud. I would say, actually, like the Flames fans were generally more loud than the Canucks, even during you know a whole period of PKs, whatnot. Yeah, well, I think that's generally true uh, anyhow, because Canucks fans, you know, they're not the most... They're slightly fickle, <laughs> slightly. Uh, I do remember that they did try to tank last year, did they not? And they're probably all pissed off that they didn't get their first overall pick. And they ended up getting what, number, what was it, number six, number five? Well, I don't even know. Oh, like, they're drafting so bad. <laughs> man. These players in their system, they're just... Trevor Linden's face was the most priceless thing <laughs> I've seen. TSN just like broadcasting his failure right in front of everybody. They have all these GMs who finished 30th and 29th sitting yeah, there with they were their like, forks and knives out licking their chops, <laughs> ready to go. They're like, oh, we're one, two, three. <laughs> I think it was like Dallas and Flyers and I forgot the other team, but they all beat the Canucks to the for top three. You know, one thing that I, that I noticed about being a Flames fan is that our, our main rivalry, I remember a few years ago when the Oilers were absolute junk, our main rivalry was with Vancouver and especially that playoff series oh, we yeah. had with them in that home game 
where we, we came from behind and beat them. I think it was 7-3 or 7-4. Mm -hmm. that, that was a real boost for Flame fans. And we, we kind of felt like our rivalry was more with Vancouver then. It now it's shift. definitely shifted more to Edmonton because Edmonton's the better team. But we're always the team that seems to be able to have that rivalry shift because, I don't know, the, the Canucks are just not, not good. Yeah, I would. Uh, I was kind of when I first moved to Vancouver, the rivalry was definitely going. You know, I would wear my Flames jersey out to the bar. I'd watch us get spanked, and you know, I'd take, I'd take, I'd take it on the chin just because they were a better team at the time than us in 2011, whatnot. Now that we've kind of moved on, I feel like most Flames fans we're we're looking to Oilers. You know, we're looking we're looking at that rivalry. I kind of see Canucks fans as like jilted lovers. You know, I'm getting beat down in the streets, and I'm kind of just like, well, is this worth my time? Like, I, I guess, like, enjoy <laughs> golfing. <laughs> I don't know why you're coming at me. So really, just from the general perspective, what is it like being a fan of a hostile team in a foreign city? So for them, being a fan of the Flames in Vancouver, what is that like? Uh, I think, firstly, instantly, um, people love to, you know, wear my Flames hat out in town um people love to you know throw shade i think generally it's pretty lighthearted. sometimes i've had some bad experiences uh, i went to the playoff game um 2016 2017 i think chris russell scored late in the third put us up 2-1 one of my home games in vancouver instantly got a beer to my head in the section instantly you know angry drunk canucks fans just screaming at me so I've definitely seen both sides of the coin. I think now that their expectations are tempered for the first time in ages, mm. they're kind of mellowing out. But still, you know, they love to, I think they love to try to, you know, continue yeah. this rivalry that I just don't feel like. So was that a whole beer? Yeah, a whole beer. A whole what a waste. $24 beer. $24. 20, 24 yeah. We, wow, we mentioned Vancouver. this earlier when we were talking on the phone, but I was aghast. Uh, absolutely aghast that a beer cost $24. That's a ripoff. And what is it? It is a, it is a tall Budweiser. What is it tall? Oh, is, that, is that what? Budweiser's is that, killing what, it. Is that 593 mils or 710? <laughs> yeah, it was, it's ridiculous. For $24, that tall Budweiser better be two and a half liters. I mean... <laughs> okay, in fairness, this happens like... In a lot of stadiums, unfortunately, you always have that loser fan that's going to be the complete jackass in the in the stadium. I mean, sorry to hear that, man, but like, I'm not saying I mean, that I know, wasn't that guy once I don't upon take a time. It I got a lot of friends here who are like, you know, diehard Canucks fans. Yeah, I, you know, a good ripping's fine. Some people take it over one. I feel like when your team isn't competing on the ice, fans like to you know compete in the stands a bit. Yeah. You just gotta take it how it is, but. Definitely interesting being, you know, ground zero. It's um, a good point, actually. It's it's, it's its own game over there in the stands. It's us yeah. versus them. Yeah, and that that's a really good point, especially when you're saying when it's not a close game and when they're not able to bring up that c compete level on the ice, they're they're trying to compensate for it off the ice, which is a very typical male behavior in general, <laughs> I'd have to say. But I agree. <laughs> uh, I I like if I could. When I'm thinking back to being here in the Canucks kind of heyday, their cup run, um, the fans, I think it's, it's a, to me, the fans generally being kind of, you know, haven't gone through as much as like, you know, a fan base like us. We went through 04. We've, we've gone through a long time. A lot of, a lot of teams do. I think 
they didn't really aren't able to reconcile the fact like they were a cup favorite, you lose, you get shut out by uh, Tim Thomas, you know, being crazy. Now you're at the bottom, you're going for draft picks. I think a lot of fans haven't, you know, bought onto that. It frustrates them. They don't realize every team goes through that and you kinda just gotta take it on the chin. You know. And if you can't you lash out at Trying to have a good time at a game. Well, as a fan, I actually would rather appreciate watching my team try and try to develop and try to actually scout players rather than tanking. It's a little embarrassing. I'm not saying that that's not that's why fans are not showing up, but I would have way more excitement showing up to games when I know that there's this guy that we scouted in the third round. He's actually supposed to be pretty good. I actually get excited about watching that stuff. But so you, maybe you really look at. Teams who, who've gone through that kind of, okay, rebuild, retool mode, and I think the Flames have generally done it, done it right. Like, they, they've been, even what it was, what was it? Not, not last year, or not the year before, but two years ago when we made the playoffs, uh, and nobody was expecting us to. And it was just kind of a surprise that we were there, and that's the year we beat Vancouver and made it to the second round. I mean, last year we lost to Anaheim. But uh, it's clear our rebuild kind of wasn't that long. And no one was really expecting a rebuild to be that long for us. Teams like Edmonton, and who, know, who knows how long this Vancouver one will go on for. And there seems to be teams that are just in perpetual rebuild. Like, what is Arizona's actual plan? Do we just want to be there and kind of yeah. win 30 games a season? And wh what are the plans for, you know, these low-budget teams? I don't know how they're going to make it if you're not maxing out your salary cap or you, you have no real players who can get you goals. I don't know what my actual yeah, point there was, but it just seems... No, I, I, no you're, I, just, you're just saying that they need to put saying. the work in. Um, I, I think we, we had that moment, uh, the Flames organization had that moment, I should say, where we kind of had to rip off that band-aid. And that was a Gimma, Bo Meester, Kiprasov kind of, you know, on the way out. And at least speaking to Vancouver, I don't think they've had that moment of ripping off the band-aid and embracing a rebuild. Uh, yeah, the, that band-aid being the Sedins. Yeah, you got it. You have to cash exactly. that in. You, if you didn't cash that in in time where you can actually get some value, then you're too late now. I don't know what kind of value you can get and, out of those two. And, of course, they have Louis Erickson. I mean, he's just... Oh, he's killing it. Wow. And, and Dorsett. Wow. Wait, Shit. Wait a sec. Hold on. Okay, no, you, no. you know a little more than us, but who, who is it? Louis Erickson or Troy Brower? I mean, which one's really worse? <laughs> Honestly, I would... I would have given it to Louis. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Jank, what do you I think? Oh, I don't know. Brower got one point last game. I think he's, uh, he's, on, he's on the turnaround oh, here. Imagine paying Troy Brower, uh, what is Louis making? Almost six? At least yeah. Imagine paying Troy Brower. Yeah. But Brower's I mean, getting 4.5. That's a lot for Troy Brower. I completely agree. Cur currently. Just so that everyone's clear, we do hope he does well again. We'll, we'll keep repeating this because we don't want to sound like a Brower haters here, but it's really hard not to hate on this guy right now. He's just, he's not really, he's not giving us the goods. He doesn't show any passion on the ice, but, you know, maybe he got a point last game and maybe that's the start of something new and or something back to square one that we'll see tonight. We'll see. I've I, I found for me, it's hard watching a guy like Glass come in and basically take over that role we're expecting Brower to do. Um, I think he does it almost more effectively. Of course, he's playing less minutes, but for well, when, coming in at a PCO, cheap contract. When Brower originally came in, um, I think everyone was thinking that's probably the guy to go alongside Goudreau and Monaghan. But 
it just never really worked out. And then Ferland was the guy there. And, and as we'll talk about later, tonight it looks like it's going to be Yager. And I know Goudreau mentioned tonight that he, he's looking forward to having Yager there and hopes that he stays on that top line. And I, I have a few concerns about that too, but we'll, we'll touch on that later. But it's just kind of when you make that big marquee free agent signing, I don't know if you can call Brower that, but at the time it was. You you really are putting a lot of eggs in that basket, and for us, it really went, you know, Humpty Dumpty on that Backwards. one. Boom. Terribly. Yeah, I agree. And instantly, he comes in, he gets on a pretty fat contract. I know right wing for us is, you know, seems like it's been an issue for more four or five years, maybe since Hibbler left. Um, I just instantly... Probably, since, him probably since again the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Instantly, Brower comes in, we give him an A, expect, you know, expect a lot from him. I think being a quote-unquote locker room guy only takes you so far, you know, you got to do it on the ice sometimes. Yeah, I do, I do agree with that too. And, we, you know, we've mentioned before about having those character guys, those locker room guys, particularly people like, you know, Stajan, that veteran presence, that workhorse guy who has that attitude who's going to bust his balls and give everything for the team. But, I mean, you can't have a team full of that. Exactly. And you kind of want your, your um, what is it, top players to have that as well, but sometimes they don't. All right, Darshan, uh, moving on. Uh, what do you think about Calgary? What is it that you miss most? About being in the city? No, or, uh, well, we'll keep it flames. Or it could be about the city. I mean, obviously, yeah. maybe you miss Nenshi or something like that, or maybe not. <laughs> but uh, what is it, particularly from a flame standpoint, and, and even from the city, what is it that you miss most? I mean, easy answer there is Red Mile, and I hope to see it, you know, come back in force, you know, hopefully for a deep playoff run this year. I think Vancouver has a very um, added, a special attitude. It's kind of pretentious. I'm a pretentious person. That's why I live here. But I think that carries <laughs> over into the fan base. And I miss just, you know, being able to go to Shanks and just kind of engage with all the other Flames fans around, you know, high-fiving, talking you know, I feel like that doesn't really happen here. You see, um, you know, when you'll see a Flames fan, you know, you'll high-five. Um, but I miss, I guess it's more, it's more of a genuine hockey atmosphere. Yeah, you know, I was at, I was at, uh, I was at State today, and there was a guy who had his jersey on, and we just started talking. It's like, yeah, I'm going to the game tonight. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. And we just talked about the Flames. Just a minute or two conversation that was just sustained and two guys, you know, having a chat about their favorite team. And I guess Vancouver doesn't have that. I mean, I, I don't see it, whether that's because I'm a Flames fan. Um, but even amongst my group of friends, you know, we'll watch, we'll watch Nuts games. I just don't see that atmosphere carrying on into the streets. Even, you know, the playoff run, it was there, but who's not, what city's not going to go crazy, you know, when you're having a, having a run for the Stanley Cup. I just, hockey is more of, I compare, you know, you, I go to a Whitecaps game. Uh, that's the Vancouver MLS game. Tickets are cheap. Crowd is in it. Little kids are there. Families are there. Drunk people are there. They're all having a good time. I just don't see that atmosphere when I go to Rogers. I don't see that, you know, amongst the Canucks. Now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna step in here and disagree with with Darshan here because. Nobody has an atmosphere like Vancouver. I mean, when you're flipping cars over and the starting fires and 
and just rioting the entire city, dude, I'm telling you, like that is top notch shit. <laughs> I will, I will argue with you to the death on this one. I think their fans are fucking incredible. <laughs> I've never seen that kind of passion since like European soccer ultra fans who start organize fights outside the stadium. I mean, I mean those guys, they care about their team. I mean, they may not have showed it in that game on Saturday, but. You know that that car is going to be flipped if they make the playoffs. So just, just you know, stay tuned, Vancouver fans. <laughs> just wait; it's going to happen. I will say one of my first, uh, one of my first um, kind of experiences with Nuts fans in the city um, was that specific night. Uh, had a bunch of my friends over, secretly kind of rooting for Boston, but not mentioning it, you know, out loud. Um, they lose. Uh, immediately look out my window and just see. Fire starting. Walk downstairs, go outside, garbage cans are on fire, pandemonium in the streets. It was nuts. It was, it was definitely a crazy, uh, crazy experience, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's one way of putting it, crazy, crazy. Borderline war zone, we're just going to call it yeah. uh, Vancouver crazy. Vancouver's dystopian future, <laughs> only happening in the playoffs. <laughs> so those... Canucks fans, uh, many of which are your friends, but, but, but the general pulse of the Canucks fans, what is their opinion of us? Because, you know, living in Calgary, we're kind of in a bubble where we, we have strong opinions about other fans, but we rarely hear about what they think of us. And I think it would be interesting to think, uh, what do those Canucks fans say and what do they think of us? I hear, uh, I hear two things, um, recurring things. Is goaltending, is Smith going to be the guy who, you know, can win us games against Anaheim in the playoffs. And oddly enough, I keep hearing scoring, which I don't necessarily agree with, but it seems like a lot of Canucks fans love telling me that we can't score enough goals. Did you tell them about the five we scored about them on Saturday? <laughs> I constantly do. Um, yeah, where, where that's coming from, I don't know, but those are the two main things I hear. Obviously, goaltending, yeah, that's, that's our concern as well. You know, that's everybody's yeah. concern. Um, what, also, what about fan wise though? Like, do they do they think we're pretentious assholes? Well, too? Yeah. What is their what is their opinion of us as fans? Like you, me, every other Flames fan. What do they think of that? I think generally there is that stereotype of like being hillbilly cowboys. Ah. It, yeah, it might come out during the playoffs. Original. To some people. Um, <laughs> I think you know. I think generally it's. I see a lot of mutual respect for dedication. Um, I just don't think they they take us seriously, which to me is a bit strange considering you know we're I think we're a more complete team than they are oh, right now. I think I think we've been a more complete team for a long time. Do they do they consider I, us their biggest rival? I I think so. I mean, they have their weird rivalries with like you know going back to Chicago playoff series, like they, they fucking hate Bufflin here and they hate, and a lot of people hate Kessler now, which I love. Oh, That's who, kind of one thing everyone hates Kessler. <laughs> yeah, love to have him um, on your team, but hate I think hate I'd him. still hate Kessler if he yeah, was in the Flames. I don't know why I just said that, but yeah, I would hate He's that too. Worst. He's the worst. He is, yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of people want to get that rivalry going. I think there's a lot of Canucks fans, you know, the last couple of years, They've kind of floated out the word rebuild or retool or whatever Benning likes to refer to it as. Um, so they're kind of tucking tails between the legs, not really, you know, flaring up the rivalry as much. I think 
they do see us as their biggest rival, though, at the end of the day, just in terms of geography, a lot of Calgarians living here, you know. Because it seems, the general way I felt about it is a lot of people in BC, when you get that, uh, what is it, eastern side of BC, they're Flames fans, because they, I think they relate more with people from Alberta, but once you kind of get over to Kelowna and West, it's definitely Vancouver from there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, uh, Vancouver Canucks, to me, are like a very cosmopolitan team. And I think that just draws, you know, the bigger bigger city people, Vancouver people in. But you go North BC, you go East BC. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You see a lot of oil fans, you see a lot of Flames fans. Yeah, we don't. We try. We try not to talk about Oiler fans as as, as little as we can. Even though like twenty percent of each episode has been dedicated to how <laughs> ridiculous they really are. I will say I did see. Sorry, I did see one Oilers fan at the Vancouver Calgary game sporting a maroon jersey, and I've never seen somebody so harshly booed. In a, a, a maroon? Uh, is there a maroon Oilers jersey? Maroon Oilers. Jersey. Where 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 did this come from? I'm. I, I I don't remember them ever having maroon. I remember that like no, absolutely terrible blue, and then they had that kind of—I don't even know what it was. It was like a screw gone wrong. Oh no, sorry. I mean, like a, a Patrick maroon jersey. Oh, oh, oh my gosh! Okay. I thought it was the color. Uh, was it the orange one? Uh, yeah. No, no, yeah well, the, the Oilers, you know, they're always a team ready for Halloween. <laughs> the staple of fashion, those guys. That's that's the team that you have to take. Uh, Seriously for them. But so being a Flames fan in Vancouver, was there anything that we missed or anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I would just say I'm enjoying it here. I'm trying. I, the one thing I would say, uh, if I could throw this out here to all Flames fans in BC, I'd like to see you know people go out a bit more, uh, populate the club. There's an Oilers bar here, tons of Canucks bars. Not really a big presence for Flames fans. I see us milling about in the streets wearing Gaudreau jerseys, but be kind of cool to you know yeah i actually ironically here um where we live the canucks bar is about two blocks away so we sometimes frequent that place with our flames jerseys yeah, on we're, we're not going to say which bar that is but anyone who's listening can google this bar <laughs> and it would be good if you supported a flames bar in calgary we don't need a vancouver bar fyi again you can google it we're not here to defame anybody but that's bullshit <laughs> it's total bullshit you can't get. I bet you Edmonton does not have a Calgary bar. There's no way. Do we have an Oilers bar here? I don't want to know. Ugh. Maybe. <laughs> it does seem like we're a lot more Remand open center. to this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the Oilers. The mustard bar. seed. <laughs> so, uh, what is it? A matter of hours. Puck drops against Carolina tonight. What are we thinking about the game? Uh, who's in that? Do we know? Is it Smith? I think it's Smith. Yeah. Smith is starting. So what? Uh, this is his seventh consecutive game. Mm-hmm. I think that's good because, you know, he's playing well. He actually looks – when he's – I remember reading somewhere that when he has a decent team in front of him, wow, he's looking really sharp. And Absolutely. I'm thinking, yes, that's also true. And it'll be nice to see him tonight live, so I'm looking forward to that. And we should, we should do a quick recap while uh, we're talking about Smith because there's a real relevant point here. Since our last episode, we were recording the third period of the Kings game. right. And Smith made that crazy save in the third. And we were saying, yeah, this is going to be that save that we didn't have last year that's going to change the game completely. And we won in overtime. Um, and then we lost against Ottawa. We won't need to talk about that. And then we beat Vancouver, which was awesome. 
Um, so what we need to kind of talk about here with Smith is, number one, how the coaching staff is handling this. I personally love it um, because last year on a loss against, uh, you know, at a game where we're not playing well, and especially when we lose 6 nothing to a team, Smith would not the have game, gone to start. The, and the games, too, were back-to-back. It was Friday, Saturday, right? Exactly. So those are the kind of games, especially where you're seeing the goalies yeah. switch out. And this is exactly what we were talking about. you got to instill confidence in the goalie. Yes, he got lit up. Was it his fault? Absolutely not. It was not his fault. And there were times last year where Elliot or even Johnson, it wasn't their fault when they were getting lit up. They were actually keeping the team in the game. It's not the goalie's fault if the players can't score. It's as simple as that. So that was an awesome thing to see. See Smith start that game against Vancouver. It probably gave him all kinds of confidence going like, all right, these guys really want me to be number one. Lack, he's probably like, yeah, okay, I really am the backup now. I am not going to have this Johnson run. I'm not going to have this Ramo run. And you know what? Fuck it. I don't want that. I don't want that anymore. And I think this will be a good thing for our team. It's going to be good for the goalie. And it's going to be good for the players as well. Because now they're going to be like, okay, we don't need to worry about this guy's confidence. Let's just play our game. Yeah, I definitely think that's good. And the fact that we're not juggling the goalies like we were, we have a bona fide number one. Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. Not, even, not, even, not our team, not the goalies. Everyone in the league knows it's Mike Smith. And for us to go out there and make that very, very clear, like we haven't done before, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with that. I'm happy with that. So I hope we keep doing it. So thumbs up to Goldson. Goldson, way to go. But like you were saying about the save, uh, making that key save really at any point in the game, but particularly in the third period, it really fires up your team. You know, he, what was the chance? He, he cut across someone and Smith came across with a mm-hmm. pad save. It was, the commentator was excited to see that happen. So Last we, year, that's obviously. a goal. Last year, that's a goal, hands down. But when that happens for your team, you know, it's, it's a rallying point. And yes, you're absolutely right. We got it done in L.A. when they, when they lost that game. Well, I mean, any overtime game, no one really looks happy. But no. quick look, particularly deflated, which... Uh, Makes me feel good. And in some respects, <laughs> we didn't play a great game. We did get outshot. We did get outplayed in that third period for sure. They had kind of a resurgence, more or less, kind of halfway through that second period, and then onwards we were just flat-footed. Um, our, you know, I remember just one play specifically. Barkowski, he actually, he actually recovered, but he was flat-footed. And I think it was Mike Richards that went right through him. And then he had to make this crazy last-ditch, swung his stick at the puck right behind him and just somehow pulled it off. But you cannot be even in that position to start with. Our guys were just flat. Um, But if we win games like that too, that's really important because those are two real important points once we get down to the stretch. Still early, seven games in. Mike Smith obviously looking like our number one. Uh, Let's just hope he keeps it up because we really need him to keep performing like this while we get our bearings together too. Darshan, it sounds like Yager is going to be on the top line tonight uh, for at least a larger amount of time. What do you think about that? I like I like seeing him there just in terms of possession, especially along the boards down low. Um, last couple of games, he's you know it's good to see somebody winning board battles down low, feeding it out to Mani, feeding it out to Gujaro. Um, whether he'll stick there, I'm not sure. Um, I feel like 
that is the biggest carousel we've had, um, at least in the first few games of the season, is finding that person to stick with them. I think, you know, Furlan's had flashes, Lazar's had flashes, Yaga's had flashes. Curious to see if something, you know, gels consistently. Well, I think it's definitely exciting for those two younger players, Goudreau and Monaghan, to have Yager there, but I just worry about the fitness and his ability to keep up with those guys and, and keep up with playing top-line minutes. I think what's going to happen is that, first, it's, it was only a matter of time to we were going to see him on the first line. Like, <laughs> you really you know, think so? Everybody, everybody was just shitting themselves, so the, thinking, like, there's... There were, everybody was saying, okay, he should be on the third line, you know, help out Bennett and just help his development out a little bit Apparently here. Apparently, we signed him for third line minutes, so that's just that's well, just a smokescreen? I think... I think it was only a matter of time, only because we just still don't have that bona fide first liner that's going to be able to support Monty and Johnny here. I think what's going to happen is, I agree with you, the fitness is going to be an issue. What will probably happen, what we'll probably see tonight, is he will play with the first line and then maybe skip a shift, go back to the third line. They'll move a third liner up to the first line, maybe like a Furland, when Yager's not feeling really fit to go back on the ice it's going to be he's going to be 50 percent on that line i don't think he's going to be fully on that line the whole game because you know johnny and and, and monahan they're putting in 25 27 minutes a game there's no way yager is going to be putting in those kind of minutes and, i think and he's they good pushed, for 29 man. well yeah it's about <laughs> half his age anyhow well i don't know where you got the youth serum from but you know when we need johnny and monahan to play 30 minutes or even higher than that, he's not going to last. So they're going to be putting, I, I guarantee they're going to be, you know, rotating Furland in and out of that line. And I even saw Brower on that line the odd time last game, maybe mostly on the power play, which I don't fucking get, by the way. Don't put this guy on the power play. The fuck are you thinking? There are way better players to put on the ice than the fucking power on the power play we need to stop that but do you think wait till he gets better do you think that's maybe because they don't want to mess up the chemistry of the second unit perhaps perhaps but i mean why not just put i would rather still have Furland up front with monahan and goudreau park him on in front of the net on the power play just be that body in front of the net because maybe no one's it's gonna, in brower's contract yeah maybe but <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like maybe it I is. don't know. Or, or no. Maybe the coaches see something in him. No, that my, we're missing. I think it's. Why are you so hard on the guy? I, I come my, on. I'll tell you why I think. <laughs> okay, it's because they want him to get a point. They want him to get a goal, and that's his opportunity to get a goal. He's not bad enough to. Nets. Yeah, he's not bad enough to. Um, you know, when we're in a five-on-four situation, he's not that bad that we're all of a sudden four-on-four four just because he's on the ice. They want him to get a goal. They think that's going to rejuvenate him. That's, that's a coach's mentality. He's saying, I'm going to get this guy a point, and then maybe he'll just he'll start playing like we expected him to play. We're not asking for much. A $4.5 million guy, I'm not asking for much. You got one fucking point, man. You got to start fucking stepping it up here. I don't know what it takes, but Galtson's trying. And he sure shit has the longer leash than any other player on the team. Because any other player that plays this kind of performance at that kind of rate that we're paying him, he would have been on waivers by now. Yeah. Or at least traded for free. Well, we can't trade the guy. No, you can't trade it, him. It's impossible. No, we're, what are you going to get for him? I mean, if you look back, I still think, what was Vegas doing? Apparently, they know they, they must know, but why on earth are you taking England when he's just going to come to Vegas anyhow? I love England. 
he's he lives there. I miss England. And they he was a free agent, and they took the guy. They could have taken Kulak or something, right? Get another player, whatever. Not the greatest player on the face of the earth, but I mean, well, I'm not. know what they're doing. Look at the standings. But, they know what they're doing. Yeah. England is playing well. England is the most underrated player in the Flames in the last five years, I'd say. Like he got so underrated. I mean, there's no David Schlemko. Oh, <laughs> Schlemko, yes. Yes, indeed. Everybody remembers Billy that. Billy Neiman. That, that guy is underrated. Billy, Billy Neiman. Well, we kind of have that. Jay Boldmeister, got to add that in. Yeah, I love Jay I'm, I'm not saying anything about Jay. He's he's good. He just wasn't good with us. <laughs> I don't know why. But we kind of have a Neiman and Kachuk, only Kachuk's way more skilled. But Kachuk's getting under everybody's skin. Good. That's his like job. this. This dude is awesome. Like I want to get his jersey. That that's how good he is in my mind. I think yeah. he's awesome. Well, I think having that that line chemistry with those guys helps a lot, and you're really settled in, and you know that's who your guys are day in day out. And I don't know if you guys saw this, and I'm sure Drew Doughty's actually a pretty chill dude to hang out with outside of <laughs> hockey. But he was doing the silver spoon motion in the penalty box when him and him and Kachuk were in the penalty box just across from each other. And you could tell he's just like, yeah, you've been fed with the silver spoon, like the silver spoon. like, And dude, like you're such a fucking asshole. <laughs> like he's just a fucking 19-year-old kid. He's just trying to make it. He's, he's not, I'm not saying, I mean, he's paying his dues. He put up great points last season. He's already started off this season pretty good. Cut the guy some slack. I know you're fucking getting on him. And I know the elbow, blah, blah, blah. But Drew... Fucking calm down, man. Like, he's still fucking young, bro. <laughs> like, that's enough, man. Yeah. Well, hopefully he doesn't end up like Drew and keeps that mouth guard in every now and then because I don't know why he even wears it. It just hangs there's out. There's only a matter of time till one player just slaps that fucking thing I, out I of his mouth. I actually think there is someone on Twitter who has an account that says Kachuk's mouth guard. Yes, shout out to Kachuk's mouth guard. He actually followed us. Literally. Yeah. yeah. The, so, we really like your like, account. That's that's pretty cool. Okay, just before we wrap it up here because you know one of us has to get going to the actual game. <laughs> Gentlemen, who scores first tonight? What player? For Leak. I'm going to go with Brody. I was going to say Hamilton. So You were going to say Brower. Shut up. <laughs> Fuck you. You were going to say Brower. We were talking about this before. Okay, fine. Special special honorable mention, Troy Brower. Could be you. <laughs> Maybe an assist on the first one. I'm going to say Hamilton. Um, Hamilton, Brody, and Froelich. And finally, how many games does Smith start this season? Every game. <laughs> 82 games from Jank. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. Um, oh, man. I'm going to put him around 60. Uh, I'm going to say right on 70. You guys are going to lose. <laughs> I don't know what's on the line here. You're smack dab on 82. <laughs> well, Darshan, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show with us today. It's been great to have you. We loved your perspective. You were fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. No worries. Uh, when the you. Flames play the Canucks again, we might be uh, back in touch to see how it went. And uh, I, I think the next game's in Calgary, isn't it? I think so. I think yeah, so. I, I, I can't remember. If you guys uh, need uh, eyes on the ground here, I'm always here. I could always periscope you guys in. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome, Darshan. All right. Well, are you watching the game tonight? Oh, of course. Okay. Well, you enjoy. Have a beer or two. Get that jersey out and... Uh, Rally that flame support in whatever. Is there a nickname for Vancouver? Um, shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> was it? Was it shit? I guess not. Judging by everyone. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. 
be uh, I'll be representing as always. <laughs> All right. Well, take it care. Enjoy the game. Yeah, you guys as well. Thanks again for having me. All okay, right. Have a good bye. night. Thanks again to Darshan for coming on our show. It was uh, fantastic for him to give up his time to talk to us about the Flames all the way from Vancouver. So we really appreciate that, and we hope to do that again in the future with many, many more of you. Okay, so uh, hopefully this gets out tonight and the result is favorable for us. Uh, enjoy the game with whatever you're doing. Remember, you can listen to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are on Twitter at FlamesFanCast. And you can email us too. We're at FlamesFanCast at gmail.com. Okay, have a fantastic night. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy your weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Barbara Streisand.